The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 18th chapter. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying like this, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite the congregation to be seated, and I invite our children to go and practice the Christmas program. Now, Pastor Roy told me that you all have about 35 minutes, because that's about how long he preaches. Is that right? <laughs> Reading today's uh, gospel lesson, I'm reminded of a, of a song that I actually heard for the first time over at the Heritage at Loman when, uh, when we were doing bridge building camp. And one of the this, this is not actually in the sermon, this is an aside, but one of my favorite weeks of the year is that we do bridge building camp with our youth over at the Heritage at Loman, and that's where we bring about, I don't know, 20 to 30 youth over to spend the week singing silly songs and playing silly games, and then the, the much-beloved chair volleyball, which sounds kind of benign because you'd, you'd think, you know, senior citizens and, and youth sitting there batting a beach ball back and forth, but let me tell you, Sometimes people playing that game get carried away and they try to spike it at each other and the youth don't know how to react to that. And, I, and I'll tell them that one of the great things about bridge building is that uh, you know, our, we hear all the stories from the older people in our lives who care about our future and so they tell us abridged versions. The great thing about bridge building is that our youth get to hear the real stories without any abridgment because the people over there don't necessarily care about the future of the, of the young people. So they'll tell them the real stories. And so it was at Bridge Building, that blessed week, one of my favorites, where I heard this song for the first time from one of the residents there who's now passed on. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. It's fun to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me. Cause I'm, and this word is in the Bible, cause I'm just a hell of a guy. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. And there's verses to that. Oh, thank you, thank you. You can clap in church. There's verses to that that I don't know, but I think the, the point gets to you. You know, sometimes, and y'all might have noticed too that this is an election year, and I don't know about your candidate, but my candidate's perfect. I'm sure in your eyes, your candidate's perfect too, right? And we hear them talk about how good they are. And I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat or Green or Libertarian or whatever variety there is. When you're listening to anybody talk about what they're going to do when they're president, not only are they going to do all the right things and none of the wrong things, but that other person over there, that other person has no clue what they're talking about. We've heard this for months now. November 8th can't get here fast enough. I'm glad, to, is that an amen there? Yeah, I agree. 
You know, it's, it's hard, though, sometimes when we, when we think about the Pharisees and we think about these people in the, in the New Testament because we're so, we're so skewed to how we view them. We view them as these people who are against Jesus. We view them a lot of times as the villains in the gospel. And in this, and in this gospel text, certainly this Pharisee was cast in a light that, that leads us this way. We see this Pharisee who says, thank you, God, that I'm not like these other people, these sinners and these thieves, and especially this tax collector. But the truth about the Pharisees that we in the church have to face as a hard truth is that the scribes and the priests and the Pharisees, these were good church people. These were the people who cared about the Word of God. These were people who cared about God's promises. These were people who cared about the law that God gave. And it mattered to them that people in their community live in the right way. It mattered to them that people in their congregation worshipped in the right way. It mattered to them that the right altar cloths were on there. It mattered to them that the people who came to the temple were people who were righteous, were people who were sort of like them, because this is what God calls us to be. It's a, it's a hard truth, because when we start to think about some of the ways people in congregations, not this congregation, but there's a Methodist church down the road where I hear that this takes place. You know, they, they get upset when people come and want to change things. For instance, if they light the wrong candle first, or if the wrong color altar cloths are on the altar, or, you know, if, if somebody stands up at the wrong time or says the wrong thing, they get so upset because they expect things to be a certain way. Or even worse, those Methodists down the road, if someone dares to bring up money in church, they get upset because... You don't talk about money in polite company, right? They get upset when people try to change anything in church. These Methodists, they're Pharisees, but they're good church people. They're people to whom it matters that things go the right way. And so this Pharisee who stood up in church, when I, when I think about my own life, when I think about my own attitude toward faith, when I think about my own attitude toward people who might disagree with me, who might think differently than I do, all of a sudden that Pharisee looks uncomfortably familiar because I recognize in myself that same tendency to think that I'm right and they're wrong, to think that the way I do things is the right way and the way they do things is the wrong way. The way I worship God is right, the way they worship God is wrong. The way I drive is right and everybody else is a jerk. You know, we, we have this tendency, I think, that we get used to the way things are. We get used to the way things we're used to them being. And if anybody comes in and tries to change any of it, God help them. You know, I think that's one of the reasons that the tax collector is the person that Jesus uses in his parable as an example of someone who is going to walk away justified because the tax collector isn't somebody who feels like they're a good church person. He's, he's not someone who feels like he's in the good graces of God. In fact, he's someone who feels terribly conflicted and convicted about what's going on in his life. And his prayer, rather than thanking God for how good I am, 
and telling God, Lord, you know it's hard to be humble. He says, have mercy on me, a sinner. He identifies himself as somebody who is in need of God's grace, as somebody who's in need of God's love, who's in need of God's mercy, who recognizes that whatever it is that's within himself isn't always holy or righteous or even the way he wants it to be. He recognizes himself as somebody who needs God. Sometimes, and, and I know this is my experience, it's awfully hard to stop patting ourselves on the back and recognize how much we need God and how much we need God's mercy. You know, all I have to do is, is say the wrong thing to my wife before I realize just how, how easy it is to mess up a perfectly good thing, right? You know, any of us, and it doesn't just go that way for wives, it goes that way for people who have husbands too. You know, we all realize how, how easy it is to say the wrong thing and hurt somebody's feelings who loves us. You know, we, we all realize how, how easy it is, no matter how well-intentioned we are, to do something that hurts another person's feelings or break a promise or, or to do something that breaks a relationship that's important to us. And we also all know how hard it is to break through our pride, to, to break through our willfulness, to, to break through the embarrassment to apologize to somebody that we've hurt. It's, it's not an easy thing to admit that other people are human and that's okay, but I'm human too. And not only to admit that I'm human too, but to admit that that's okay too. Because I don't know about y'all, but I'm perfectly okay with other people being human, with other people having shortcomings, with other people having problems, but I have much higher expectations for myself. And, and so when I mess up, you know, it, it really is something that, that I should be ashamed of because nobody else has ever messed up the way I've messed up before. And I don't know if there's anything that can heal it. I think I'm not the only one who's had that feeling in here before, too, who feels like, you know, when, when we do something that's bad, that hurts the people we care about, that there's that cycle, that track, that, that looped, repeating phrase in our head that tells us how unworthy we are, that tells us how bad we are, that tells us to be embarrassed for the things we've said because there's no way to ever get back from it. We, we hear in this gospel lesson today a word of hope. We hear in this gospel lesson today a word of grace. We hear in this gospel lesson today Jesus talking to that part within ourselves that believes that nobody could ever love us, that believes that we are difficult, irritable people. Well, maybe that's true because I kind of am difficult and I kind of am irritable, but who believes that those qualities make us unlovable and unforgivable. We hear in this gospel today the tax collector, someone who isn't a good church person, someone who stands outside of the community, someone who the community usually looks like, looks at, and wonders why they're even here. And we hear him say, God, I need you. I'm a sinner. Forgive me. And Jesus says that he walks away justified. How much in our world that is divided by our politics, 
that is divided by our opinions, that's divided by our brokenness, that's divided by our fear, that's divided by our willfulness, that's divided by our egos. Do we need to hear those words from Jesus that when we go to God for mercy, we walk away justified? We walk away as people who receive that forgiveness we seek. We walk away as people who hear the words that God has been speaking into our hearts and into our minds and into our souls since the day we were baptized, that we are beloved, that we are worthy, that through what God is doing in us and the work that God is doing in our hearts, that we are holy because we have been marked by the cross of Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit forever. And that marks the beginning of the shift of the transformation of the ongoing work that God is doing within us that causes us to be able to share the good news that in the same way that God makes me holy, God makes you holy too. And that there's not a place in this world that God is not already working on for redemption. There is not a place in this world that God is not already loving. There is not a place in this world that the love and the transformative power of God is not already at work. But I tell you what, because we are stubborn, there are a lot of people whose hearts long and yearn to hear that good news, that God is at work in them too. As we hear this gospel and we hear this good news, that we who are broken and we who are imperfect no matter how we feel about ourselves, are loved and cherished and called holy by God. How is it that we carry that good news out to the people in our lives? Through our actions, do people see the love of God and know that the transformative power of God is already at work in their lives? Through our words, do people hear that good news that the transformative love of God is already at work in their lives. Through the things we think about people, do we experience that love of God that's already work, at work in our lives? How is it that we as Bethel, the members of the congregation, the people who visit, how is it that this congregation shines that gospel light into the community around us so that everybody who is near us everyone who is near a member of this congregation, everyone who witnesses the things that this congregation does and says and professes, experiences that transformative love that God is shining into this community through y'all. Now, I don't, I don't know how, how some of y'all feel, but one of the things that I remember feeling growing up at Christus Victor when we were a mission congregation, we met in the, in the elementary school that I went to as a kid, which, which meant that uh, when I got toys taken away during the week, I could always go sneak them back out of the teacher's desk during the weekend. I figured it wasn't stealing because they were my toys to begin with. But, you know, when there were only 30 or 40 of us worshiping there, when there were three of us in the youth group, you know, I remember feeling and a lot of the people around me saying, you know, what can we do? There's so few of us. It's not like we're a big congregation that can have a big impact around us, right? Well... One of the things that I've learned over the, over the years that I've been part of the church is that the myth is that you have to have a, be a big congregation to make a big difference. One of, I, one of the things that we did when I was a pastor at St. John's in Lexington, and this is actually, I think, the fifth anniversary of this, 
as we had a fundraiser for a local Marine, Kyle Carpenter, who now has won the Medal of Honor, because at that point he was still having surgeries to repair the damage that he, to the, the injuries that he received jumping on a grenade to protect his friends. And uh, somebody said, you know, we really ought to do something for his family. So we decided we'd have a little dinner at the church. You know, we weren't a big congregation. We had maybe 60 members and maybe 40 on a Sunday. And we, we said, you know, we might be able to raise $1,000 for him. Let's try to do that. Well, somebody, and this is, and you can do this in a Lutheran church. You can tell friends about the things you do at church and invite them to do things. And believe it or not, this is what happened. Somebody invited somebody to be a part of what we were going to do. And they got so excited by what we were going to do that they told some other people. And the next thing I knew, later that week after this meeting, I had somebody from the Patriot Guard Riders, which is a motorcycle club who does charitable events for veterans and especially for wounded warriors. They called me and said, Pastor, we hear that y'all are going to do a fundraiser for Kyle Carpenter. He's a friend of ours. You know, could, could we help? Well, yeah, yeah, you can help. I don't know exactly what to do, but... Well, you know, one of the things that we think is true is that you might be able to do a little more than what you think you can do. What if, what if you find another venue and we'll help you find some people and we'll help you direct some traffic? All right, so I went and found Reflections in Lexington where we had it. And all of a sudden, the, the couple of us who had started this little project turned into a group of 12 or 15, not just from our congregation, but from around Lexington. And all of a sudden... We were seeing that somebody had called us to ask if they could sell paracord bracelets and then donate the proceeds to the, to the cause. I had had a, another youth from another youth group call me and ask if they could do something. And so we made it our Saxagatha fall conference gathering and the youth helped to put on the event. We had six or seven of the congregations in the Saxagatha conference helping with this dinner that all of a sudden had senators coming to it. All of a sudden, you know, the, these little loaves and fishes that we had started with, that we as a small congregation were hoping that we might be able to raise $1,000, spent all, after, all morning and half the afternoon cooking Boston butts, all because the Spirit had moved through that kernel of an idea that came out of that small congregation. And we didn't raise $1,000 or $2,000 we raised, by the time it was all said and done, over $19,000 for that Marine and his family. You know, you don't have to be a big congregation to make a big difference in your community. Because where two or more are gathered in the name of Jesus, we have the church. And where we have the church, we have the Spirit. And where we have the Spirit, we have mission. And where we have mission, we have the promise that God will not only provide that vision for the mission, but God will provide what we need to accomplish it. And all we have to do is get out of our own way long enough to come to God humbly and ask God to use us and ask God to guide us. So when I say, you know, what is it? that people who see Bethel, Bethel Lutheran Church see when they look at this building? What is it that, what, that they see when they look at the members of this congregation? When I ask, how is it that they hear the gospel that proclaims the love and transformative power of God's presence through the things that we do and the things that we say? I don't ask that question idly. 
I ask that question with the full expectation that what you are doing in this community matters and it makes a difference and that God is taking your loaves and fish and transforming them and multiplying them in ways that maybe you can see and maybe ways that you can't. But as we leave this place this week, how is it that through the things that you do and the things that you say, through the things that you think about other people and the ways that you act in the community, through the ways that you invite other people into the things that God is calling you to do, how is it that other people see the gospel through you? Amen.